You're listening to Drones in America on Market Scale. Your host, Grant Guillot, leads the Unmanned Aircraft Systems Practice Team for the law firm of Adams & Reese. Every week, he will be chatting with leaders, influencers, and experts who are impacting the rapidly growing commercial drone industry in the United States to help us through the complex web of technology and policy. Welcome back to Drones in America by MarketScale. I'm your host, Grant Guiot, and I lead the Unmanned Aircraft Systems Practice Team at the law firm of Adams & Reese. This week, I'm joined by an additional three drone service providers who will discuss the innovative ways they are assisting with the social distancing and streamlining operations during the COVID-19 pandemic. My guests this week are Matt Coleman, Senior Director of Business Development at Valancey, Michael Curry, founder and CEO of Fling, and Will Stavigna, Chief Technical Officer of Airbox Technologies. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. I want to start by asking each of you to tell our listeners about your respective companies. Matt, let's start with you. Hey, thank you very much, Grant, and I really appreciate you inviting us to this podcast today. So, um, a little bit about Valancey. Valancey is a well-funded aerial mobility company headquartered here in the Bay Area of California with operations within the United States and in multiple regions around the world. Uh, we offer a range of drone services with our primary, primary focus being on drone-paced cargo delivery and pickup for industrial, medical, and other supply chain markets across the globe. You know, besides being a drone company, Valancey really is an all-inclusive delivery drone solution, um, utilizing user-friendly mobile platforms, automation, and then the UAVs themselves to revolutionize the way that materials are delivered to increase equipment uptime, shorten critical deliver times, and save unnecessary warehouse inventory and downtime. Matt, what are some areas of the world where you guys deliver using drones? Um, you know, as an example, some of the public examples where we've been known um, recently in, in Africa, uh, we were part of the African Drone Forum competition in Rwanda. Besides that, we have operated throughout and continue to operate commercially throughout Africa. Uh, we've also operated in Puerto Rico, the Bahamas, um, Singapore, Southeast Asia. So, you know, really, if you can look at a map, we've either worked there already directly or we're in the works of working in those regions. Great. Thanks, Matt. And while we're on the subject of international deliveries, uh, Michael Curry with Fling, why don't you tell us what Fling is doing with drone deliveries? I know you guys are based out of Thailand, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your operations? Sure. Uh, thanks, Grant, and thanks for having me on the on the show. And uh, nice to uh, nice to meet and talk to uh, Will and Matt as well. So, Fling is a Thai company, actually, and founded by myself. I'm Canadian, uh, former software developer and software executive. And uh, we specialize in AI cloud software as well as unmanned aerial system solutions for commercial applications in three industries, uh, electric power line, warehousing, and last mile logistics. So we're also a service provider for these services as well as being a technology provider. And um, as I mentioned, we're a Thai company. So our primary operations are here in Thailand as well as in uh, Southeast Asia generally. We also have projects in the works in, in Latin America and in my home country of Canada. 
Thanks, Michael. And one of the things I find so interesting from talking with you, um, when I first spoke with you a couple weeks ago, I noticed you have a very clear uh, English accent. You hail from Canada and you run a business out of Thailand. How exactly did you get from Canada to Thailand? Right. So I actually came to Thailand for a different reason. Thanks for, for complimenting my accent. We Canadians were kind of chameleons. We can operate uh, secretly within, uh, within America at will, can't we? Because we're, we're, we, 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 sound like, uh, we, we sound like Californians or something. But uh, we, uh, anyway, I, I came to, uh, to Southeast Asia, as I say, uh, be, uh, recruited to be CTO of a different uh, company. It was an e-learning startup, actually. But uh, realized the opportunities here in, in Southeast Asia for, for drones are, are quite compelling. There's a huge opportunity here where uh, many, many large companies simply haven't uh, taken advantage of drones uh, to automate their uh, processes or to uh, collect data in ways that are more effective than, than what they're currently doing. I mean, just to take an example, uh, you know, you have people that are surveying construction sites by sending a guy out with a, with a stick on a boat, uh, sticking their, uh, their stick in, in the water to measure the depth of the levee or something, rather than, let's say, flying a drone over and, and surveying hundreds and hundreds of, of acres at, at all at once using a, a LIDAR system. So uh, this is the kind of level that, um, that many companies are doing, despite the uh, tremendous economic opportunity that, that, that exists here. So seeing that, I, I realized there's a, a real opportunity here, and that's why uh, I founded Fling. Thanks, Michael. And again, one of the reasons I'm excited to have you and Matt on the same program is that Fling and Valancey are both participating in international deliveries. And I think it's so important for our own country, the United States, to learn what we can from other countries that are taking advantage of this great technology and perhaps using it in ways either that we haven't thought of or in ways that we may have thought of, but from a regulatory standpoint, haven't necessarily been able to do thus far. I want to pivot now and talk to Will Stevania with Airbox Technologies. Will, welcome to the program. I'd recently spoken with a few other people in the industry and had this discussion with them, the other side of drone deliveries, the receptacle side, and how important that is. We often don't consider are we going to be able to receive a good? How is a consumer going to be able to receive a good once it is delivered to them via drone? And I know Airbox Technologies participates in various types of deliveries, not just drone. So why don't you tell me a little bit about Airbox and how you got your start with them? Uh, well, well, thank you, Grant. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. And it's great to be here with Matt and Michael as well. Uh, you know, I, I joined the the company uh, a little over a year and a half ago. Um, primarily, well, first of all, we we're not necessarily uh, we're a little bit different. We're not necessarily a drone company uh, per se. Uh, we do have a, a number of uh, drone delivery solutions, but our, our core product is uh, the Airbox Home, uh, which is a a smart uh, delivery receptacle uh, that is that, that was initially designed in, uh, with the intention of uh, medical delivery. Um, but in the last few years, has has quickly morphed into more than that. It, it's now um, a suitable uh, delivery receptacle uh, for 
for autonomous deliveries, right? Whether it be ground deliveries, whether it be aerial drone deliveries. Uh, so what we've recently is, you know, in the last uh, month, it, it's been uh, it's been quite busy uh, with with the demand of the product. Uh, we we've 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 really enhanced the product to uh, to be totally different than what it was initially designed. Um, the 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 box itself, you know, gives you all sorts of information as to who, what, when, and where. Uh, it physically secures a package. So for those of you fighting against uh, porch pirates, you know, this is a perfect solution. Um, and, and last of all, is we've we've done a number of tests, uh, primarily in the Caribbean, uh, where we've flown uh, our, our our drones and and we work through different partners uh, because we our boxes are drone agnostic, uh, but we do have a, 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 a an integrated solution that is dedicated to deliveries into our 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 mailbox. Um, our airbox home receptacles. So, so that's a little bit about what what we do, who we are, uh, and where we've been. Now, Will, over the past few weeks, I've certainly seen an increase among not just the commercial drone industry, but various end user industries as well in the benefits of drone deliveries, aerial drone deliveries. I should specify because I know airbox does different forms of deliveries directly because of the social distancing mandates put into place as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Has Airbox seen an increase in interest in drone deliveries due to the fact that many of us are being required to practice social distancing? Certainly, uh, you know, here uh, again in the, the last month, uh, we've, you know, we've been very fortunate to participate in a number of demos. Uh, you know, we, we are a U.S. based company. Uh, our products are made here in the United States. Uh, our, our drones are all U.S. based uh, aircraft as well. Um, but for the most part, you know, as far as the demand as to what drone delivery can do uh, for especially in times like today, uh, it, it is it the, there is a significant demand. Uh, but, you know, sadly, I, I hate to say that it's somewhat late uh, because we're now having to figure this out as to whether drones are the right solution, uh, you know, for 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 this, these times, these times. Right. Uh, where in reality, we 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 should have been doing way more than that, you know, before. And this is, I guess, leading into regulatory and opening up. Uh, the, the 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 adequate use of drones uh, in in you know for deliveries, especially in emergency situations. Absolutely, I think we all would agree that it's a crying shame that drone deliveries are not commonplace right now because so many people would be well served by the ability to receive consumer goods that in many cases aren't even a luxury or a necessity, such as medications and other health-related items that they're not able to freely go out and get, at least not without wearing a mask and, you know, engaging in other social distancing measures. Um, if only drone deliveries were commonplace right now, I, I think we would see a lot of praise for drone technology instead of the negative public perception issues we normally face. Now, Matt, I want to go back to you for a minute Tell me, has Valancey seen an increased interest in its operations as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic? Uh, yeah, absolutely, Grant. You know, um, specifically, we are seeing immediate requests and assistance um, being directed to the healthcare needs. You know, whether that is, you know, in rural areas dropping off and picking up of test kits, you know, delivery of time-sensitive medications and medical devices, such as insulin, personal protective gear, and respirators in rural areas or island nations. Um, 
And that's just to name a few. You know, on the industrial side, you know, we're seeing even more of a requirement for safe and effective ways um, of moving materials around construction sites, mining sites, and other critical critical infrastructure areas where you know they're trying to limit the amount of boots on the ground and also maintain that social distancing and and do everything in a safe but effective manner. Thanks, Matt. Now, Michael, what about fleeing? Have you guys noticed an interest uh, or an increase in interest in commercial drone operations as a result of the COVID nineteen pandemic? Yes, I, I would agree that there there's certainly been an increased um, interest. I mean, we're seeing this in um, lots of uh, articles being written about uh, the potential for drone delivery, but we're also seeing uh, here at Fling, we're seeing uh, you know increased um, interest from from customers uh, approaching us, not just about necessarily last mile contactless deliveries, uh, which is I think maybe the most obvious uh, aspect, but also the general shift in the supply chain that we're seeing where it's interesting like how there's this simultaneous uh, phenomenon where uh, farms are having to throw out a lot of their product and their um, plow back into the fields uh, their food while at the same time there are uh, shortages of food in, in grocery stores. And, and so it's a bit hard to reconcile for a casual observer of that. But w- what's happening is that there's a su- supply chain disruption basically and, and the patterns of how uh, goods go from the farm to the uh, consumer, uh, traditionally uh, going through large distribution centers and then on to a restaurant and then uh, finally to the customer, uh, that's being disrupted. And what we're seeing is uh, consumers wanting to get these items directly um, and uh, these distribution centers uh, being perhaps less emphasized. So how to economically um, perform uh, last mile deliveries of products that previously weren't delivered in the last mile is, is I think, what, what some of our large uh, customers uh, that are closer to the, the, the farm production side are grappling with right now. And I think if, you, if they had this problem, if we had this uh, COVID-19 crisis 20 years ago, they wouldn't have had an option. But now, with uh, the potential of drone technology to, to be that technology that could economically uh, do last mile deliveries to uh, very, very close to the customer there in, in rural, semi-rural, uh, suburban areas, I think uh, certainly uh, this is something where people are very interested to explore if this is a way to solve that problem and shift their supply chain economically. Thanks, Michael. Now, I want to ask about something that the attorney of me, of course, is always very interested in, and that's the regulatory environment. Being that Fling operates out of Thailand, I'm curious to know how your regulatory environment compares to the regulatory that we experience in the United States. Of course, our Federal Aviation Administration is first and foremost concerned with safety, and rightfully so, but many in our industry believe that sometimes that concern with safety stifles economic growth. And it's a very delicate balance between emphasizing safety and encouraging innovation. The question I have is, what is it like in Thailand? Do you guys have any regulatory freedoms that we may not have in the United States? Well, I'd probably reverse that and say that there's significantly more uh, regulatory experimentation possible in um, in OECD jurisdictions like, like America. Uh, it tends to be the case that 
in, in aerospace regulation, aviation regulation, there are leader countries and follower countries. And at least in, in Asia, the leader countries tend to be uh, Singapore, New Zealand, uh, a little bit of Japan, Australia, and the other countries tend to take the lead and follow and, 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 and uh, let's say copy the uh, best practices and, um, and rules that have been set up in those countries um, and are not really comfortable to be out in front and trying things that haven't been tried in other countries. So one of the most compelling things that I can say when I'm talking to a regulator, not necessarily just in Thailand, but in general in a developing country is to say, well, look at this developed country that's already doing this. Or even better, if I can say, look at all these countries that are already doing this. Um, this is an opportunity for, for you as well to do this. And so uh, all at the same time, they don't want to be in the lead. They also don't want to be the last one to do something. So that that's, tends to be the kind of conversation that we have. And more generally, regulations tend to change during crises. So governments don't necessarily uh, have the you know, political will or it's very difficult to have that political will to make a change to a regulation when everything is going fine. There's there's no crisis going on. But suddenly when you're in a crisis, we see this as an inflection point uh, worldwide. COVID-19 has put people in this mindset to accept rapid change and new ways of doing things. And it's clear to everyone that drones can improve um, the way things are, are going right now. And so this is obviously the first talking point we use. That said, even in a crisis, uh, unless it's absolutely going to uh, change, you know, uh, life or death situations, uh, uh, it's, it's not going to change overnight. So this is still something that's going to take uh, significant amounts of time to, to ultimately change. But we do see this as being, uh, uh, you know, a, a, an inflection point. Thanks, Michael. So in terms of line of sight restrictions, what are you guys looking at in Thailand? Yeah, so basically uh, every every country um, uh, in Southeast Asia here has, has line of sight restrictions and really getting exceptions to that is the, the big challenge for sure. Um, they're, all the rules are geared towards drone operations that involve, let's say you're, you've got a pilot, he's inspecting a building or a, an asset, and he's got eyes on the drone. And that's where really all the permissions and everything are set up. And so the idea of flying a drone, especially across multiple uh, properties um, in a uh, multiple kilometers from the original point to, to the next point, uh, that's really not where the regulations are set up to, to handle. Um, and so certainly that requires a lot of conversation, a lot of um, time to uh, prepare uh, risk assessments, uh, etc., in order to get that kind of permission. So this is where actually Fling uh, specializes in uh, talking to regulators across Southeast Asia and um, preparing uh, risk assessments and, and other documentation that's required to, to get those kinds of permissions. Uh, because by working very closely with the regulators and making them comfortable and uh, answering their safety questions um, and uh, really taking a, a safety first mindset and an aviation mindset to drone operations, we can really uh, move forward. It's really only by acting like an airline that you can operate above people, around people. Um, other kinds of drone operations, you're out in the field somewhere, you're, you're doing a short operation uh, within line of sight of a drone. To do drone delivery, you really need to be like an airline.
Right, I understand. And in the U.S., obviously, we have two regulatory schemes by which a company could potentially perform drone deliveries, one being the Part 135 certificate, which is much more difficult to obtain, and the other being Part 107, which essentially makes line-of-sight, rather beyond line-of-sight deliveries, uh, very, very complicated. So, um, within the U.S. right now, companies that are not operating under 135 are having to do so under 107. And that is, of course, going to be most companies because under 135, you only have UPS Flight Forward that has the full 135 certificate right now. And Wing also has a 135 certificate, but I believe it's for one pilot. Um, Matt, I want to ask about Valancey and the countries that you guys operate in do you obtain any kind of, or, or rather, do you guys experience any regulatory challenges there that might differ from the challenges you face in the U.S.? Hey, thanks, Grant, and thanks a lot, Michael, uh, for the insight there into Southeast Asia. Yeah, so, you know, we've really noticed that it is a nation-to-nation -nation, um, situation. So we are working directly with civil aviation authorities um, within the countries where we have already stood up operations or are looking to stand up operations outside of the U.S. And that can be as simple as a one to two month process of, you know, checking the boxes to be able to fly beyond visual line of sight over people, or it can be a very long drawn out process. So it, it definitely varies, um, but it is not as restrictive as the United States in most cases. And I do not want to say we cherry pick the locations based on the, the regulatory atmosphere, but we definitely look into the nations where we know that we have a very good chance of obtaining those international clearances um, to be able to start flying. Because, you know, with us being a primarily U.S. company, you know, we manufacture our drones here in the U.S. We have multiple, you know, test facilities here. You know, the end goal is to be working all across the U.S. beyond visual line of sight. But between building the aircraft hours, really getting, you know, our operations down par, it, it really relies on us working with those civil aviation authorities in different regions of the world. Thanks, Matt. Now, Will, what about Airbox? Obviously, you guys perform other types of deliveries, not just drone. In dealing with the aviation regulations, is that a significantly more frustrating uh, situation than it is dealing with the ground transportation regulations? Um, you know, that that is um, for, for ground deliveries, whether it's here in the United States uh, or, or overseas, uh, we, we, we are. Yes, the, there are some uh, regulatory restrictions depending on what is being delivered, right? Um, so, so depending on, on, on the actual customer that is using the box uh, for their particular business. Uh, I, I couldn't agree anymore with, with Matt and what he just said. I mean, like in our case, we, we've operate, you know, we've operated in, in, in Antigua and Barbuda and we've, we've got a relationship with the Eastern Caribbean Civil Aviation Authority. And, and, and I got to tell you that, you know, um, here in the U.S., uh, can we do some testing? The answer is yes, we can do a certain level of testing, but we're limited as to what we can do, right? So uh, we, we've been forced to, to sort of kind of look at outside of the United States, um, you know, for, for in, in increasing the amount of experience uh, and, and again, and also innovate uh, our products. Uh, further by, you know, going over overseas to to do for in our case, we've done beyond line of sight deliveries directly into our airbox. We've delivered, you know, medical supplies and 
uh, defibrillators uh, with with our drones, uh, and 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 we have found that there is quite a bit of interest in in how that looks like. And 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 Michael actually touched on on a, on a very important point, and that is that when when these flight operations are are performed, we have to operate no different from man aviation. It it is. It is imperative that, that we're not just simply, you know, uh, uh, highlighting a, a waypoint, you know, a straight waypoint from point A to point B, but rather being considerate of, of where we're flying and the areas that we're flying and how we're flying, which may completely change the dynamics of the operation. Uh, but but that is the, the most important component uh, in, 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 in aerial deliveries. Uh, in the case of our boxes, uh, you know, our boxes are, are, are important. I, I, I don't want to say that they're not as important in the United States, but outside of the United States, uh, you have to keep in mind that some of these countries do not have physical addresses like we do here in the United States, right? So uh, they're looking at our box as a potential means for um, you know these countries these countries developing e-commerce uh, where where it does not necessarily exist today in the way that we know it uh, here in the United States. Uh, when you order something online, whether it be from Amazon or some other some other carrier. You know, a lot of these folks have to go to to, to dedicated warehouses to go pick up their their goods, um, and and you know it can be a thirty minute drive across an island, right? Uh, so so they're looking at our our, our our airbox solution to to enable e-commerce where it does not exist, which is you know perfect solution for countries overseas. Now here in the United States, uh, the airbox itself. Which is really where we're placing our focus, right? We're we're working uh, we're we're working with delivery couriers primarily on the medical side, uh, where you know the, they're looking to secure that package after it is delivered, and that's what our uh, that's what our box provides. You know, is that's the physical security of the package once the package has been delivered, and in addition to that, the knowledge and the information associated as to who, what, when, and where. Um, you know that delivery took place uh, from from a delivery from a service provider perspective, perspective as well as the recipient. Uh, so so we're we're looking forward to uh, having our boxes in, in businesses and and down the road uh, residential locations, uh, which will enable delivery points uh, for aerial transport, uh, including drones. And so so that's uh, you know that that's the reason why we are just not agnostic. You know we're not just specific to our to our company but we're we're willing to work with others within the industry to make this happen. Thanks Will and I think we all would agree that right now would be an ideal time for everyone to have smart mailboxes so that whether it be drones or delivery trucks there's a way to easily transport goods to other people without having to either see them face to face or touch them. Um, thereby being able to really comply with the social distancing mandates that are in force across the world. I want to move on to Michael and kind of start talking about the public perception issues that, and I've mentioned this on the program before, they obviously haven't gone away and it's obviously a factor that we're all going to have to continue to work together to combat if we want to advance this industry we're seeing it in movies, of course, all over the news that drones are nefarious instruments that are meant to carry out villainous purposes. And it, it, it truly is a shame and something that we're all going to have to work together to combat. But I guess I should start by asking, Michael, 
is Thailand experiencing these negative public perception issues as well when it comes to drones? So I really think that it's it's a strange schizophrenia, I think, within the public where they they're, um, see the potential of technology and certainly there's an excitement around drones uh, when uh, there's articles written about drones, often it's this breathless article about how drone delivery is the future and how it's going to uh, change people's lives. And, and it seems to be positive public perception on, the, on that hand. On the other hand, we have, um, when we get to the point where we're actually asking for uh, permission from, a, let's say, a condominium or a, a planned community, hey, do you guys want to actually receive drone deliveries? Often the these uh, these sort of condo boards or the people who are actually finally in charge of deciding, are we going to allow this thing? They tend to be extremely conservative and extremely uh, vulnerable to the one or two people in a building that say, no, I don't want drones to be even close to where, where I live. And, and those people may have perception issues with how drones work, they may say, well, privacy, or they'll say noise, or they'll say, uh, you know, we just, we just, we associate drones with, I mean, anyway, for whatever reason, they don't want drones to be close to them. And often it's because they haven't seen the operation in reality, and they're just reacting to the word drone. And I hear the word drone, I, I think of all these positive connotations and potential improvements to people's lives. But for many people who are less exposed to the technology, especially let's say older people perhaps, uh, but just generally some people may have a negative perception. And I think it's our job to uh, do as many demonstrations and as many um, uh, public outreach activities as possible to show how these drones are friendly, they're, they're good, because I think um, there's a sense of inevitability once, it, once it's there and um, people are used to using it, it, they'll very quickly accept this new thing in their lives. But when it's perceived as new or something different, then there's um, a very uh, uh, a difficult resistance there to overcome uh, for companies like ours. It just to contrast um, civil society uh, in uh, OECD countries like Australia and America versus, um, let's say, more hierarchical societies in Southeast Asia and Asia in general, I think um, that's perhaps one perhaps positive um, thing in that we, we face uh, less organized civil resistance to um, drone operations. I think in Australia, for example, Wing has had a, uh, a community activist group that's been trying to shut them down for, for years now. And that's not something that happens in, in Southeast Asia. Groups don't come together like that to campaign against something. They tend to um, uh, listen to authorities. If authorities are saying this is permitted, this is okay, then they'll, they'll tend to allow it. Um, but again, it's at the extremely local level of building to building, are they going to allow the operation that we face the problem? Thanks, Michael. Well, we're almost out of time, and I want to give each of you an opportunity to tell our listeners about some of the cool things your companies have coming up. Matt, why don't we start with you? What does Valancey have in the pipeline that we should all keep an eye out for? Hey, thanks, Grant. Thanks, Michael. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'd say with Valancey, the big thing is please mark on your calendars. Uh, May 1st, we will be making a really excitement announcement regarding um, something big for our company that's been planned here for a while and will finally be publicly announced. Uh, besides that, you know, what we're doing is, you know, here through, you know, the COVID pandemic, we are just chugging along 
still growing as a company, still advancing, you know, not only our, our technology, um, but also on the regulatory side, you know, as we touched on briefly earlier, working with these different civil aviation authorities around the world, also working, you know, here with the FAA in the U.S., you know, um, on multiple fronts, just growing the ability to, you know, to be able to fly commercially beyond visual line of sight. So, uh, like I mentioned, there'll be a, a really big announcement on May 1st, so please put that on your calendar, and uh, there'll be a lot of updates coming forthcoming after that announcement. Thanks, Matt. I think all of us are excited to see what Valancey has coming up, and I will certainly mark my calendar. Will, what about Airbox? What do you guys have coming up? Well, I, I tell you that right now we're we're working with uh, local. Primarily, we're focusing on local businesses, right? Uh, businesses that you know may fall into the category of of uh, nursing homes, senior assisted living locations, and restaurants. Uh, so for those type of businesses, we're actually working directly with them to even provide them a free box for them to integrate into their existing carry out, take out, you know, uh, the existing operations and, and allow us to basically gain more information, gain more traction as to, you know, what what the end user needs, what additional data, what additional information we can provide. Right. Uh, so so that's that's kind of one key focus, especially right for the right now, uh, for especially what's happening. Um, at the same time, we, we've done uh, recently a, a couple of drone demonstrations as well of the delivery into our in, into our airbox. Uh, but from a regulatory perspective, you know, we 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 don't we have not done much uh, with with partners here in the United States as far as FAA and so on, just primarily because our testing had been overseas. Um, but it's time to come home, uh, and so that is one of the things that we're we're looking to 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 expand upon uh, here in the United States. Um, our aircraft are you know when when we are flying a, a 15 pound payload. Uh, six miles. Uh, we we certainly need some you know a, a number of different of appro approvals uh, way beyond Part 107. And so uh, so so the, the, those details and you know we're we're looking to grow and 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 become um, more compliant for operations here in the United States. But by all means, we have no interest in becoming a a Part 135 company. Instead, we're providing the technology that is necessary for future uh, couriers, specifically those that are doing it today, uh, to basically add drones as a tool into their existing operations. Thanks, Will. Congratulations on all of Airbus' success and everything you guys are doing. Um, definitely looking forward to seeing you guys do more in the United States. Again, as we talk about drone deliveries, there's always an emphasis on the actual logistics of, you know, picking the package up from a place and getting, getting it across the airspace um, to its intended location. But there tends to be less emphasis placed on how we actually go about receiving that good. So it's great to see companies like Airbus Technologies that are considering that part of the equation. So, um, okay, Michael, final word. Tell me about what's going on with Fling. What do you guys have coming up and what can we look forward to from your company? So Grant, we've received significant venture funding recently to expand our operations here in Southeast Asia. And so what's next for Fling? We're going to continue to build our enterprise grade solutions to solve supply chain problems with our AI technology, as well as with drones. We wanna have a drone uh, checking inventory in every mid-sized warehouse in Southeast Asia and delivering every last mile and middle mile urgent package where it makes economic sense uh, to do so. So we're going to continue to play that plan. 
We're also looking to ramp up a new partnerships within the drone industry as well as within logistics in general, because the reality is that the drone industry at about 4 billion, let's say 4 to 10 billion uh, per year is still relatively small compared to, let's say, manned aviation, which is 800 billion per year. And of course, logistics in general is, is trillions per year. So we're, it's an incredibly tiny industry with, with huge blue sky potential. And I think uh, it makes much more sense to partner together to try to make uh, drone delivery a reality within the time frame of uh, venture-backed startups rather than uh, to try to take the whole market uh, uh, for, for ourselves and uh, each company failing and uh, you know the, the, the opportunity um, moving into a window that's, let's say, 10 years away. I think if we work together, we can um, convince the public and regulators to make drone delivery a reality, a commercial reality, not just a proof of concept reality, which I know we're all kind of stuck in, uh, but a real commercial reality to make a difference for people in this uh, COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Thank you, Michael. I'll look forward to keeping up with all the great things Fling has in store for us. Thanks to all three of my guests for coming in today. I really enjoyed speaking with the three of you and talking about how we can move this industry forward. I look forward to having you on the program again in the future. Take care.